All right, welcome to my next three-parter. This one was with Ellis. Um, I learned a lot more than I thought in this one. Learned a lot about uh, profiles and such. Um, of course, you'll get to that later. That's part two and three territory. Um, but for now, please enjoy the episode. And as always, thanks for listening. And we're live. My voice is a little bit hoarse today because um, a little bit ago I did my uh, I.O. So that was uh, fun. Oh, how'd it go? But- Oh, it was pretty good. I'm right. happy about it. I jumbled my words a little bit, but I said everything I wanted to, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, oh, we're here on the podcast. As always, I'm going to start off by asking for something good. So tell me some good news. What's been going on? Not much, I guess. I mean, I'm going to, I'm starting school now in person, so that's been a little fun. I get to meet people again instead of just being locked up in my tower, but yeah. I mean, how have you been? Any good news with you? Uh, actually, um, I've been pretty good. My favorite band, I don't know, does two people count as a band? Like my favorite musician duo. Um, <laughs> yeah, duo is a better word. Than <laughs> yeah. um, they, they have this uh, record label called the Foreign Family Collective. And under that record label, they put out uh, like this limited edition coffee blend there's mm-hmm. only 200 bags of it and i got my grubby little mitts on it um the way yeah, i yeah, did the really coffee right yeah so <laughs> i heard about this the day before they were going to give out the like okay so they made a special website for it uh so that you could order it, but you can only order it if you have the passcode and the only way you could get the passcode was to watch a stream um because they do these things every i think it's once a month where um, it's called like international broadcast. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's international broadcast. Watch me be wrong, but um, where they have one of their like artists as part of the label come in, or it doesn't even have to be part of the label. There's a couple that aren't. Um, they do like a DJ mix for like an hour. Um, and so I was watching that stream, waiting for the uh, waiting for the passcode to drop, and I positioned my mouse so that I would be like perfectly in line with when the host says anything. So that if they type the password into the chat, I would be ready. Just two clicks. Um, The way they did it was, yeah. (laughs) So after sitting in that stream for 40 minutes, they played this little coffee commercial where they brought in the guy who did the art for it um, to demonstrate how to make, like, how he makes his coffee, um, which I think is really hilarious. Um, He's really funny, too, I don't listen to much of his music. His name is Chet Porter, the guy who presented it. Um, I don't listen to too much of his music, but he's a funny dude. I got to be honest. I was going through his Twitter the other day for any news on the coffee, and I got a couple laughs out of that. But um, he he dropped the password. It was, I love Chet. So, I love Chet. Yeah. yeah. I managed to get my hands on a bag. Uh, it's supposed to ship out next week, so I'm really excited for that. Is it, like, really good coffee, or...? I, I hope so. I've never had it before. <laughs> it's like take some crappy coffee then. <laughs> That's going to be unfortunate, but yeah. I'll have the art at least. I'll have the memories. I was order number 28. That's actually first good. coffee release. Yeah. How many people did you say get the free coffee? There's 200 bags made. 100. Yeah, so then that's actually really close that you got it into. <laughs> Out of 200. Yep. 
Okay. It's going to be my crowning achievement. I'm going to tell my kids about this. <laughs> that you won coffee out of 200 people. Yeah. Number 28. Yeah. I'm going to show them a the little shrine I built to the coffee bag. And they're going to be like, what is this, people? And I'm going to be like, well, I've got a story for you, children. <laughs> you know, I actually want to work at Starbucks because of the smell of coffee and to like help people. Like, I feel like making like people smile and make their day with coffee would be so much fun. And I would draw little pictures on their coffee cups. I feel like that would make people stay. And so I'm hoping fully to apply around April and get a job at Starbucks as a barista. I feel like that would be so much fun. Jack, you should, <laughs> Zach, you should do yeah. it too. Then you get free coffee all the time. <laughs> Uh, I actually did apply to work at Starbucks for the last two summers. Um, once they just ghosted me. Yeah. Oh. Um, the second time I got an interview, but they never called back. Um, That's weird. Yeah. Uh, but um, when the lady called for the interview, I was asleep. <gasps> so they heard my voicemail. Oh, and my no. voicemail is one that I recorded when I was 12 years old. And it was before my voice got this deep. So <laughs> poor Jessica from Starbucks had to listen to, hello, my name is Zach. <laughs> Wait, did you still have the recording? Yeah. Um, you didn't change it I, after that? <laughs> I couldn't figure out how. I forgot how to mess with the voicemail. Now my parents, I told my parents that story, they're like, never change it. We need to preserve like 12 year old Zach's voice. I'm like, no, we don't. Um, Cause now anytime I miss a call, people hear that voice. What time did they call you? What time did she call you? Like, do you okay. usually- sleep? It might've been, it might've been 1 PM. And I might've accidentally slept in that day. But that's, that's not important. Accidentally. I will sleep as long as humanly possible if you let me. On the weekends, I wake up at like 2 p.m. Because unless my parents wake me up, yeah, I will just go dormant. Wait, do you do you sleep late? Is that why you sleep, like you wake up later? Uh, Yeah, but also like... Like, are you a princess? <laughs> Need your I'll, I'll go to sleep at like four in the morning and then get like 10 hours of sleep and still be tired. Oh my God. Sometimes, not all the time. Wait, I'm working on it am in the first place um if it's a weekend all bets are off all right all right that's that's fair <laughs> no i never do that on school days though i usually get i get an average of seven hours on school days but i try to sleep more if there's like a test or something yeah um, i never do because i'm i seem to have this strange curse where i'm constantly tired but can never sleep um <laughs> Yesterday, I laid down with my eyes closed for an hour and a half trying to nap because I kept almost falling asleep in my classes and I couldn't go to bed. I was awake the whole time. I was just sitting there with my eyes closed, just waiting for sleep to take me. And I was just like, yeah, that's how I felt anyways. Eyes wide open. Yeah, I feel like coming to in-person now, like my sleep schedule has been a lot better because, you know, I know like I have to drive to school. So if I sleep really late or if I don't sleep for a, like two days or three days, then I know like it's going to be really bad and dangerous for me to drive. So I make sure like I get a good amount of sleep and that I'm okay for to drive to school and come back home. But yeah, yeah. a lot of my schedule has been fixed coming in person. 
That's really great. I heard a lot of good things about uh, coming in person. A lot of people um, that I've talked to that I went to in person have benefited from that. So um, do you think that you've been doing better beyond just uh, getting your schedule in check? Yeah, I think I am. I think I'm on a lot more focused when in person. And it's kind of nice because um, the class is small. So there's like a lot better, like a lot more conversations and sometimes it can get boring, but that allows me to focus on my schoolwork when no one wants to really talk. And it's better when, you know, everyone else is also studying or trying to focus and finish their work, then it, it you know, inspires me to do that too. In comparison to staying at home, it's like, you know, I could just, during asynchronous, I could just, you know, watch YouTube or sleep and stuff like that. But, you know, coming to school, it's a lot better because then I'm more focused and on task with what I'm doing and I'm better prepared. So it's nice. <laughs> yeah, I hear a lot of people when they talk about their async time, like, oh yeah, I take a nap between classes. I wish that could be me. I envy them so much because I wish I had the ability to nap in the first place. Yeah, I, um, I can't sleep. I'm like very sensitive when I sleep. And so I, I have to sleep in my own bed. Like it's really hard for me to sleep outside like in hotels or like in school like I'll like probably close my eyes and rest my head to kind of try to relax if I'm that tired but it's really hard to actually get me to sleep sleep you know into a deep stage but yeah I actually I almost fell asleep at art because I didn't sleep that night and it was like really weird and I just couldn't sleep and so during art I was like you know sketching portraits and they actually I was doing the 100 um 100 day head challenge I don't know if you know what that is, but don't. Can you explain that to me? Um, so the hundred head day challenge is um a challenge where you draw ten heads or like ten portraits, and it can just be like anything, like you know, any materials can be used. And you draw ten heads for ten days, so that equals to a hundred days or a hundred heads. And so it's like to help you practice um with portraiture and perspectives on um the uh figure and stuff like that so I'm like trying to keep up with it but it's like really hard considering with school but I did do I did 10 I did reach my 10 yesterday and I was doing that during art class but I was almost like falling asleep because I was like I have to you know I didn't sleep that day that night so but yeah portraiture is really fun for me in my opinion it's like one of my favorite things to do and uh, with the 100 heads a day challenge, or I mean the 100 head challenge, yeah. um, do they have to be human heads or can it be like heads of lettuce? Um, heads of lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> is, that the, is that the first vegetable Sorry. that you thought of? <laughs> I just wanted to make that one joke. <laughs> okay, well, I haven't seen heads of lettuce. <laughs> I guess you could be the first. Um, <laughs> No, I've only, I, I suspect it's just a hundred, like just human heads because the human face is really complex to draw. And, and so I feel like the human figure in general is just really difficult to draw. And so when you can get the perspective of the human figure correct, then I feel like it could get a lot easier to draw, paint and do whatever because it's like that complex. And so it's like reading it's like when you're first learning to read, when you read, like try to read like the Bible and you can actually interpret, like get through it, then it's like a lot easier in the end, you know, to read other read books. something else. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that. 
with art, I feel like the human figure is really difficult to draw, but once you get the hang of it, it's a lot, lot easier. Like it's so much fun to try and, and it's like a really good challenge in my opinion. I like to challenge myself in that kind of way, but in perspective is also really hard because that can come into play like foreshortening and stuff like that when you come into drawing, trying to draw figures. But yeah, it's so fun. At school, they used to have figure drawing clubs, but um, now we can't, of course. And so, and usually it's in nude, but so, and the reason why they do it in nude is because you can understand shadows a lot better. And so in your eye can try and um, comprehend the different shadows and how dark and how light and the values um, of, you know, of someone is. And so that is also a really good um, technique to have when you can compare shadows. And so then it can, um, you can bring your painting really to life when you understand values very well. And you could bring um, your subject matter a lot more realistic if you wanted to. And so, yeah, it's really like incorporate shadows, proportions. And so I feel like those are two of the main things you need in art is understanding shadows and proportions really well. So yeah, and you can't, actually you can't have tattoos because apparently having tattoos um, distorts, if that's the right word, shadows. And so you can't really see the shadows as well when you have tattoos. And so that's why a lot of um, figure drawing models, they can't, um, they can't, they're not supposed to be, like they're not supposed to have tattoos because it, when the light shines on their skin, it distorts their, the shadows and the lighting. So yeah, <laughs> Zach, I'm gonna yeah. try and draw a portrait today. Oh my God. <laughs> the best, <laughs> hopefully, if it goes successful, I'm not, <laughs> I think you can do it. Okay, we'll see. That was one of the challenges, right? To try and get you to do something without looking. Yeah. All right, all right. We'll we'll get you to do. <laughs> well, I'll I'm, teach you the basics of portraiture, I guess, because you're. I'm so afraid. Wait, have you ever have you ever drawn like have you taken lessons or anything like have you ever taken art classes? No. Not a single one. Oh. Beyond okay. like what they made us take in elementary school, so. Okay, that's gonna be a bit. Okay, I think. Oh, this is going to be really hard because I can't show, physically show you. Right. Okay. So I think I'll just try and focalize the proportions. I'm not sure how, because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm such a bad teacher because for me, I don't know, when I was a kid, art kind of just came naturally to me. And so it's hard, sometimes hard for me to explain things very structurally for people to understand. So I feel like in this way, it could also be a good challenge for me too, to try and teach. So I think we can do it, but yeah. Is it acceptable if I go on my whiteboard or should I whip out a pen and paper? A whiteboard could work. Yeah, I have a whiteboard too. Wait, yeah. whenever I work like- actually Show you the proportions first and then we can try and draw a actual um, user reference picture to draw portrait and then when we're drawing the portrait I don't say anything or like show you anything I can just try and vocalize it so can I first like teach you the proportions of the human face let me speak to the council about this <laughs> all right take your time the council will allow it okay, okay. normally I'd say no but because of how complex this is I will make this one exception 
another friend of mine who was on the show uh, tried to teach me how to do uh, how to draw uh, an eye and how to draw like a, a face I guess so I guess a portrait um, and only the part one of that episode has gone up so far but the cover for that episode is the eye that I drew and then I did like the rest of a really basic smiley face on it so it looks actually kind of terrifying like genuinely upsetting um, yeah let me see if I can uh, pull it up for you to show you I want to see your artistic skills Zach <laughs> oh my I'm so artistically brilliant you're gonna be like oh my goodness who is this man why is he not in the Met or something because <laughs> it's just so much talent that I have I have so much talent um I, I don't know if I still have it saved let's see um you know but I I actually do believe anyone can draw like it's not it's difficult, but it's not impossible. And so I really do believe that it's art isn't just talent. And I think that could be applied to anything else in general too. So as long as you know the basic structure of how to draw things and you simplify it to basic forms and shapes, then I think it becomes a lot, lot easier to draw something well. Okay, well, I sent you the, oh, it's still sending, but I sent the eye that I drew as, as well to like rest a little smiley face, but the eye is the very important bit. Um, I don't have a photo of the face that I drew yet, but oh. there, there it is. <laughs> what? What happened to the other eye? You mean the one that has a lot of detail or the one that's a circle with a dot in it? The one with the circle and the dot. <laughs> oh, because um, she only taught, we only did one eye together. And then I was like, well, I'm going to do a smiley face, but I don't want to do another eye that takes a long time. So mm -hmm. I just did, you know, an eye the way I would before. And it looks like that. And there we go. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> is a lot better than what I, what I was capable of in middle school or elementary school so I think I think I can yeah I think we can get you to draw a human head and you work with this yeah yeah I think I can do it I think yes All right. I can do it and so actually today I wanted to talk about like a lot of current things in art like just in general like in current events with it with art and so they actually I don't know if um, you know what NFT is? Yeah, actually. You do? The, um, That's great, because like, I actually really want to try NFT once I get into like digital art, because that's like something I've always wanted to do. But I also heard it was like really bad for the environment. Um, I, I also heard that's bad for environment, but I'm not sure how in what way. But one of the, uh, that band I was talking about earlier that has the record label, they've, um, started doing nfts with uh i think some of their music and mm -hmm. some of their pieces and maybe like backstage passes for their shows or something i saw that once um so that's how i know about it but yeah i didn't yeah. fully go into detail but i think it was because that it requires so much electricity that it's like really bad for the environment in that way because it ha you have to generate so much power and it's not renewable resources that you're using and so I think that's why it's like so bad for the environment. But when I first heard about it, I got so excited because it was like a chance for artists to um, earn money and a better living possibly, you know? And so, cause like your entire, like if you're an artist, everybody always says like, you're not gonna make money. You know, you're not, you're gonna be the starving artist. And it's like, 
kind of like I kind of wanted to fly it but at the same time it's also like really scary because you know you don't know if that's actually going to happen to you or not and so but yeah I feel like I mean I kind of feel like it also takes a lot of money because don't you have to also input a certain amount of money in order to sell your nft i'm not sure my knowledge on nfts is pretty much limited to just what they are rather than how they really work but yeah i also think it's really great because um i know if you know do you know dylan morris he's the junior one of the ivy junior his name is familiar but i don't know him personally yeah, I think he knows a lot more about NFT too, because he's also really, I think he's also really into art, but I kind of like it, but that's probably because I don't know the full disadvantages and negative effects of it, but in my opinion, I kind of like it because um, it gives artists uh, like financial chance, and it also, they've also been talking about how um, it can replace museums, which is also, I think, good and bad, because when you're doing, when you're trying to sell it in auctions, you know, it's more digital, so people a lot more people can get on it rather than trying to and sell their art rather than trying to sell it at an auction, which I think is harder to do. And it can also, I think, um, I just don't, I don't know. Wait, so how much exactly do you understand about NFT? Like, all I really know is that it's art that is somehow related to cryptocurrency, which artists <laughs> can sell to make a lot of money. Okay, yeah, a lot uh, being relative. Like, I've seen. Uh, the artist who made the art for the uh, like limited edition coffee, he sells some of his works as NFTs. Um, mm -hmm. I saw that when I was prowling his Twitter, and I've seen those go for like fifteen hundred. And I was like, man. <laughs> I mean, I think because um, you know how it's like you um, so you know how you create the work and someone buys it off you, and so you know how usually when you sell art in auction, it's still like you still have it under their name, like you know who the artist is and everything and you still give credit to that artist. And so I think one issue with that is that you don't fully you can't give full credit to the artist anymore it's like completely yours like it's under your name. You know, even though the artist made it it's like since you bought it yourself like bought it from this person created it, you know it's fully yours, And so I feel like that's. That kind of gives it like I kind of find it unfair because you know it even though you're selling your art with within high prices it could you know make a downfall to your own name and I feel like with artists it's important to have your name out to people so they recognize you and they can appreciate your work but I feel like with NFTs you also can't really do that and so but yeah that's just my part <laughs> on taking NFTs and so I thought that was also really interesting and in how it relates to a lot of my um, topic of my extended essay. And it was over artificial intelligence um, art and whether that was considered actual art or not. And so I felt like NFTs are with artificial intelligence growing and you know, how um, the digital, digital age is also um, improving a lot and how much that's gonna affect um, you know, possibly like our kids or our generation a lot more, especially also considering like social media and how that affects a lot of teens today. And so, but yeah, I didn't really think, I kind of find it appreciative that art does is like kind of changing. Like I felt like back then around like the 1800s to 1900s before like art wasn't considered um, super, super great. It was like, if you look at Vincent Van Gogh, he was poor. He was so poor that 
he would actually, I don't know if you know this, but he actually ate paint. I did not know that. Yeah, so he actually um, did eat his paint probably because of his mental issues, like he was mentally ill, but also like probably because he didn't have enough money to afford things and he always had to rely on his siblings to help him financially. And so, but it, I feel like there's a back and forth throughout art history because um, if you look at like Greek and Roman art, I feel like and around the Renaissance time, like, uh, and so they, they would commission right, commission artworks from Leonardo and um, Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo, Donatello, like famous artists. And so they were actually well, like really well-respected artists, right? And even considered now we consider them like the great masters and their, lave their name actually continues to live on throughout history. But I feel like a lot of like, it kind of throughout time, a lot of artists um, started to lose that. They weren't um, considered the greatest you know at what they were doing at that time but and a lot of their artworks were rejected but I think it's really amazing how we can start appreciating art and um, looking back at how um, these people have lived and how famous they've gotten even and it's like sad because of how fame like their fame actually grew a lot more after they died I mean and so I'm like okay, so does that really, it like affects me in some ways because I'm like, okay, if I die, will my name live on? Because that's like one of my um, dreams is like, I want my name to live on through um, others and, you know, keep a legend about myself and for others to remember me because no one wants to be forgotten, right? Throughout history or time. And so I kind of have that belief where I want to make an impact on the world and make a difference even though as naive as it sounds, I feel like it's important to have that. And so you try and you won't be forgotten eventually. I guess that could be my rational fear is that I don't wanna be forgotten. <laughs> I think that's a purposely valid fear. I don't know anyone that really wants to be forgotten. Yeah. Um, but with um, creating a legacy, I guess, do you, um, see your legacy being your artwork or something else or maybe a combination of your a couple of things um well I want I feel like I want to be recognized more for my art and so um I because that's what all artists are really they, a lot of them like even musicians like anyone really like you you know the like Bill Gates is the guy who created Microsoft right and you know Van Gogh's like the creator of the Starry Night and so I feel like it's cool to have something that you're recognized for. And so that's why I, I try so hard to, you know, focus on art a lot and it just brings me joy really. And I feel like my paintings could also bring joy and a different perspective um, towards others. And I don't have to, and it's like, um, for me, I'm actually very um, quiet and introverted. And so I don't like conflict with other people. And so like as upset or angry as I can get, I just don't want to go there because I feel like it's better to um, take the hit than you know, fight back. And so I feel like with art, it's a lot easier for me to communicate with others because then I don't have to vocalize or like ver verbally speak my problems and I can let others like see it through my art. And so I feel like, cause I just don't like fighting with people you know I just don't like even in like as even like debates are okay because it's constructive 
you know, but when it turns into an argument or a fight, like an actual physical fight, I just don't want to do that or like, you know, make the other person upset. And so with art, I feel like it can do that a lot, lot well, a lot better than, and it can be pretty constructive. I mean, considering how there's also art critics that judge very harshly and it's like, who are you to judge my art, you know? And so I feel like now, especially you, there's also like no really big definition of art as long as, in my opinion, for me, it's more just as long as you can visually speak what you want to tell the audience then and have a meaning behind your painting or I don't know any other kind of sculpture or any digital piece then I think that's what really is considered art in my opinion but I don't know Zach <laughs> I mean your definition of art could be different from mine so um I have one I'm it's not really a final question but I have one <laughs> last question on this topic um, so this is something that I discussed a lot with my friend Lonnie on uh, one of the prior episodes. Um, it's, I think, part two of the episode where I read Megamind is on the cover. Um, and so do you think that art always has to have meaning? I mean, if you want to display it towards others, um, like whether it's shows or like you know, competition, then I feel like it does need to have a meaning to make a better impact of your work. And it represents you a lot better as a person. Like it shows that you have a more constructive perspective, in my opinion. If like, if you're going into a debate, you would rather have, you know, not like good knowledge over what you're talking about rather than just saying what you feel, right? And so you would need proofs and facts to back it up. And I feel like with art, you do need, you know, something to rely on like your own opinion. You also with like proofs and facts um, about, you know, the subject matter. And a lot of that could also relate to like paintings, like contemporary paintings now can re relate to, you know, or contemporary um, paintings and illustrations can relate to current society and it's a reflection of history. So there are some facts behind, you know, each piece that give it a better, more impact. And so, I mean, but then again, you could also um, create artwork just for yourself. And I think that's also really important instead of continuously trying to um, make art with a meaning, because I feel like that could also be really destructive to yourself when you're just trying to constantly make artwork and you're always thinking, well, this doesn't have a great big, you know, meaning or impact, like, you know, all these other paintings do, like, as you see in museums, they have history, but like, you know, if I don't create an art piece that has meaning, history, or relation to um, my own beliefs, then it can become really destructive, and you can get burnt out really easily, because that's what's happened to me um, around freshman year of high school and sophomore year, and so then I actually wanted to quit art, and I was like, oh, I'm not gonna ever, you know, really do art ever again as a job, but I'm going to do it as a um, hobby, just like something for fun. And so then when I actually switched from doing it as a hobby and I started doing it for myself, like something that I wanted to enjoy again, then that's when it started to become more fun because then I'm like, oh, well, you can do this, you can do that. And so when you limit yourself, I feel like that's, oh, that make, takes a big toll on you in art. But yeah, so I feel like you can do art for um, yourself and that can be really beneficial because then you don't limit yourself to just having a meaning or a purpose for your art, but it's just, you know, for emotional comfort or enjoyment 
and like something for fun because I feel like if you do some start something fun first then you start to enjoy more and go deeper into that rather than just being forced to do it so yeah <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening to part one of three of my uh, talk with Ellis. Stay tuned for the other two parts. We're winding down on the podcast run here. So, yeah, to all those who have been listening along, uh, thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who's been on the show. Um, It's been a lot of fun. So, thanks for listening.